0: Father Almighty God, we ask in the name of Jesus that as we speak your word in your kindness and in your mercy, let your word do three things. We pray, O Lord, that your word encourages. We pray, O Lord, that your word motivates and reassures. And we pray, O Lord, that your word builds. Father Almighty God, we ask this because, Father, this is what only you can do. We turn our eyes to you and we ask for the grace that you will place upon your word to do all these things. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for today and we thank you for all that you will do. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we have prayed. And everybody said? Amen. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, um, you're going to see the title behind me on the screen in a few moments. and so. Today, the title of today's message is Preparation Explained. Preparation Explained. And I'll, I, before I even go any further, I'll just give you a very short example um, as to why this is important. Perchance, if you were standing waiting for, if you had gone to wait on, on a, to a train station and you were waiting for a train and you did not know what train you were waiting for, You knew you had to be there. You knew you had to get somewhere. But you didn't know what train you were waiting for. There is a strong possibility that your train will come and your train will leave and you won't know. Do we agree? Do we agree? Therefore, ladies and gentlemen, we realize God in his kindness is a loving father. And when something that matters to you is coming towards you, with the possibility of passing you by, he will prepare you. And so ladies and gentlemen, today we are speaking on the subject of preparation. It is a key for a variety of things, but I'll jump right in. And so the first thing that we're going to look at is this. I want you to remember, please write this down if you are taking notes. There's quite a few things you'll see behind me. You'll notice. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants you prepared. I want you to realize that the God we serve is a God that prepares His children. He does it in many ways. Sometimes He will give you a picture of tomorrow. We call that a promise or a vision. He will say that this is what tomorrow is going to be like. You'll find that in Isaiah 43, reading from verses 18 and 19. Very familiar scriptures. God will give you a picture of tomorrow, so when tomorrow comes, you are ready for it. That's how he prepares you. Another way he prepares you is by your circumstances. And please understand me, Ruth's story is very important. Ruth chapter 1, reading from verses 1 to 5. The Bible is quite clear. The, The family of Marlon and Chilion, they go with their mother and father into the land of Moab. When they arrive in the land of Moab, they settle there because a famine drove them there. They left there because of circumstances. Moab was not their place of choice. They find themselves in Moab and unfortunately, the father dies. Marlon and Chilion, the two sons, reach out to the Moabite ladies and they marry two of them. One is called Orpah, one is called Ruth. Both of them, they live in Moab for 10 years. Within that 10-year span, Marlon and Chilion pass away. Now, you may say that's a terrible story. The circumstances that they were in were tragic. I accept that. But when you think of it from Ruth's perspective, you must realize that God, although the circumstances were adverse, they were not evil. The reason being is there was a good God who was positioning Ruth for the rest of her life. Do we agree? So, ladies and gentlemen, God will prepare you through your circumstances. Things that you did not necessarily choose where you were born what you went through where you went to school the good things that came to you some of the adverse things that came to you but because at the center of all of them there is a good god you can say of your circumstances quite comfortably that my circumstances might be adverse but they are not evil because there is a good god who holds my future in the palm of his hands do we agree Okay, let's go on to the third thing. The third one there is people that God will send into your life. God will use them to prepare you. There are famous examples. You find Elijah and Elisha. Elisha was a reasonably wealthy young man. He was good at what he did. But when Elijah walked into his life, Elijah, and to use a current term, disrupted his life. Equilibrium, disrupted his normal. And he moved him into a future that Elisha hadn't prepared for or didn't realize. So ladies and gentlemen, the chance meetings that you have, the bosses you have, the people that God will send into your world, they are there to prepare you. And God knows that when your future is at stake, he will go the extra mile To make sure the right people will come into your life to prepare you. Now, the second scripture there is interesting. It's one of the ones that I like. You'll find there that Luke chapter 9, verses 29 to 31 is listed. And you'll say, but how did that work? That's the transfiguration. The Bible says Jesus was at a turning point in his ministry. God realizing that what he was about to go through would require levels of human endurance that were beyond words. So he sends two people back to talk to Jesus. One of them is Moses and the other one is Elijah. You may say, why did God choose those two? Because they have the unusual quality of experiencing God at the highest level but not finishing what they were here for they came back to tell Jesus this is how to finish ladies and gentlemen when God sends people into your life they will be different to you but you will turn out amazing but let me continue prayer god will prepare you through individual prayer or he will get somebody to pray for you as we find in that example where peter was prayed for by jesus and jesus said tomorrow will be okay for you because i have prayed for you and so ladies and gentlemen may i take this opportunity to pray for you that this year in 2019 everything that god has planned for you will become a reality can somebody say amen so there's that then then we have knowledge Knowledge is important. And ladies and gentlemen, do not think that your Bible is just an ordinary book. Your Bible is God's word to you. Daniel was in the middle of an experience where his people had been torn away from their land because of something they had done. But it had a time limit. He realized that the time limit of 70 years was coming to an end and that was because of knowledge and information. He then goes to God at 90. And praise for a people. And the Bible records that Israel is restored. God will prepare you through knowledge. Current and accurate information. I will go on. What happens to other people? Or what you cause to happen to other people? Ladies and gentlemen, is key for when God is preparing you for your future. Abraham finds himself at the turning point of his seasons. I will use that phrase a lot. At turning points, God will prepare you. God, Abraham finds himself in front of Abimelech, and Abimelech has taken his wife. God curses Abimelech's family, and he says, none of you can have children. But my servant Abraham is a prophet. If he prays for you, you will have children. Abraham prays for Abimelech, and Abimelech's family, all of them, have children. The next time you see Abraham, because Abraham caused to happen for Abimelech what he was desiring more than anything else, Genesis 21, verses 1 and 2, you realize God causes to happen to Abraham what he had been praying and hoping for. Why? He had caused it to happen to somebody else. By the desires God places in your hearts, before I go to the last one. Ladies and gentlemen, God will prepare you by placing a desire in your heart. The root word for desire in the Greek is desideri. Desideri is where we get the word time or chronos. You must understand, desideri indicates something is necessary but it is missing. A hunger, a gift, or a skill. You'll notice there's some things that you can do without effort. Treat them well. Why? It is God preparing you for your future. God, in that example, prepares a young man called Bezalel. Bezalel is not a soldier. Bezalel is not a leader and neither is he a shepherd. He's a workman. But he's found himself in the middle of a desert with nothing to do with his skill until God needs to build a temple. All of a sudden. Bezalel finds that God has prepared him through a desire, a desire to learn, a desire to practice, a desire to work with metal, because God had a need of him in the future. Your desires will lead you to where God wants you to be. Pictures that you got on your inside, gifts, skills, and abilities that other people do not have, God is using to prepare you for a future that he has planned the last one preparing other people Joseph has a gift and Joseph's gift is interpreting dreams he finds himself in prison and God knows that his turning point is coming so he sends two people to be kind to one night the butler and the Baker Have dreams. And Joseph says, tell me your dreams. He interprets both their dreams accurately. By the time you see Joseph standing at his turning point, he has been prepared to do what God needs him to do. When you are kind to others... The gifts and the skills that God will use to create your future will be honed and sharpened. Ladies and gentlemen, at that point, we come to the conclusion that God is a God that prepares his people. And if he is preparing you, that means there is a future that you may only have dreamt of, that God is about to to make a reality. Amen? Let's go to the second slide. And it's a single statement. The statement is as follows. Miracles happen to the prepared. Miracles happen to the prepared. If you are prepared, if you come into church and you have an expectation, the Bible says that it will not be denied. An expectation is rarely formed when you arrive. You do not pick the destination of your holiday when you arrive at the airport. Do we agree? For you to take advantage of the services of an airport, you've made your decisions before you arrive. Ladies and gentlemen, God is just the same. Miracles happen to people that are prepared, that have given thought and planning to that God this day something Is about to happen amen and so we begin God wants you to prepare you there are three parts of you that you are responsible for and God wants you to make sure they are available for his use they are your heart your soul and your mind your heart, your soul, and your mind. Why are they so important? They are so important because, ladies and gentlemen, those are the creative elements that God has given you to be able to function just like Him. Just like Him. So let's look at those three areas. These are your responsibility. So God, we've spoken about God's responsibility. Now we're speaking about your responsibility. The first area God wants you to work on is your heart. And your heart, ladies and gentlemen, the primary function of the human heart, when we say human heart as in looking at it in Bible terms, the purpose of your heart is for you to believe. To accept God's word as true with or without evidence. With or without evidence. And ladies and gentlemen, let me explain why I said it's your responsibility. It is your responsibility because faith and belief are products. They are not necessarily gifts. Not necessarily. There is the gift of faith that the Holy Ghost brings, but that's different. But there is faith that comes through study and meditation. Now, you may say, Pastor, those are two very long words. What do you mean? I'll use the example that I've got up there, and I'll tell the story in a couple of minutes there's a lady in the bible you'll find her in mark chapter 5 reading from verses 25 going down to verse 34 or so you find that the woman has an issue of blood she hears about jesus christ and the bible says she then says to herself if i can but touch the hem of his garment then i will be healed and she goes in search of jesus now interestingly In between the first time that is mentioned in the Bible and the next verse, we see her right beside Jesus. But let me tell you the fact. The fact is she was not living in the town Jesus was living in. Do we agree? That means she heard of Jesus and she followed rumor by rumor, testimony by testimony. She wandered Israel. She hunted. She followed Jesus synagogue to synagogue. All the time she was looking for him, she was saying, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. What is she doing? That's what we call meditation. To mutter to yourself truth. You find that she built a belief that by the time she got to the crowd, nothing was going to stop her. She touches Jesus and the rest is history. Ladies and gentlemen, you can prepare your heart for miracles to happen. How? Joshua 1.8. Let the word of God not depart out of your mouth, your necessity or your desire at your current age and situation. The Bible says meditate therein. Imagine and see yourself in it so that you may be able to observe to do according to all that is written therein the bible then says your way will be made prosperous and you will have good success so god wants you to prepare your heart let me go on your mind This is important, the why is it is is important, ladies and gentlemen, because if I really want to change a person, I have to change the way they think. I have to change the way they think. And the way I change your thinking is to introduce information that you did not have before. I will prove that in a few seconds. Can everybody think of a dog? Once you've thought of a dog, raise your hand. Okay, now, can everybody think of a black dog? Has your dog changed? Okay, can you think of a black dog that is six inches tall? Has your dog changed? Can you think of a black dog with white spots? Has your dog changed? Notice, I never touched you, but I controlled your thinking by introducing new information. Do we agree? When God wants you to think like Him, He will introduce His Word into your circumstances. Do we agree? It's kind of important. It's important because the difference between success and failure is how you see things. And you see things through your thinking. I will give you an example. I think it will summarize everything I want to say. Gideon finds himself facing the Moabites. He has an army to beat, and he doesn't have enough people. 32,000 people line up in Gideon's army. He's feeling pretty confident. They get to the camp of the Moabites, no, Amalekites, sorry, Amalekites. They get to the camp of the Amalekites, and God says to Gideon, you have too many people. Gideon looks at God, looks at his people, and panics. But he says, okay, God, no problems. God says, you know what? Let me prove it to you. Give them the option. Anybody who's afraid, let them go home. Gideon must have thought, okay, we'll lose maybe five or ten. Because they all look kind of fearsome. He turns around and says, please, anybody, anybody who's afraid, you can go home. God will bless you. It's all right. 22,000 left. Leaving him with 10,000. He is now in dire straits and God says there's still too many. They all look the same. They are not afraid, but something separates them and it's the invisible force of their thinking. So God says, I want to see how they think. He said, take them to the river. When they get to the river, you realize, he said, let them drink. Now, these are guys that have marched probably day and night, carrying 20 to 30 pounds of armor, heavy shields and swords. They are thirsty, they are tired, and they are also nervous. They come to the river, and he says, the ones who put their face in the river, put them aside. The ones who drink with their hands, with their eyes up, put them aside. 9,700 dug their face into the river. Only 300 drank with their hands. The Lord said, I can use the 300. I can't use the 9,700. Let me explain what I mean. Because this is key for where we are going today. The miracle that God is about to bring to you. Because he's leading you to a turning point. The miracle that he's about to give you is not a destination. it It is a conduit. It is a bridge. It is not a destination. You are going to get the marriage. You're going to make money. You are going to get the breakthrough. You're going to get the visa. You're going to get health. You're going to get the children. It's going to come, but it is a bridge, not a destination. The 9,700, when they saw their miracle, which in that moment was water, they dug their head in. As you may find in church that sometimes when you get what you are asking for, your behavior changes. All of a sudden, it, you don't really need to go to the vigil. All of a sudden, you don't really need to go to the, to the prayer meeting. All of a sudden, you know what? I'd rather not come to church. It's slightly cold so I'll watch it online. I do love all of you that are online. I'm, I'm, I'm not picking on you. I'm not picking on you. But notice... God said, the ones who think right I will use. The ones who lacked never stopped being soldiers even though their miracle came. And it was refreshment. That means you have to keep your thinking straight because what comes next is about the kingdom It's not about you. It will come through you. But it is not primarily for you. Are we together? So let's keep going. Let's keep going. So the next thing is your soul. And your soul, ladies and gentlemen, is your decision-making element. And let me put this in context. Your soul is what you make a decision with. The example there is of Jesus Christ. And it speaks for itself. Jesus said to God, I choose to go your way before the pressure happens. This is the year of the overflow. God is about to turn your circumstances beyond words. A flood is coming. It was prophesied last year, and it's flowing into this year. An overflow of the Spirit and the resources of God are coming. Yes. Yes. But you must decide that, God, I will go your way even before it arrived. Jesus said to the Lord, as much as I want it, as much as I want it, Lord, your will be done. The example there is of Hannah, and Hannah's story is wonderful, and the Bible says once she gets her miracle, the Bible says her countenance changes. Her outlook on life changes. Once God confirms that it's coming, something happens on her inside. And the rest, as they say, is history. God wants you to prepare you. And so let's make three statements to close this out. The first one is this. Preparation is always a function of trust. If I do not trust you, you will not be able to prepare me because I will always be looking for an alternative. Preparation is a function of trust. And ladies and gentlemen, the one person in the universe who can be trusted is God. His track record is unblemished. And he's not going to mess it up on you. He's not. Preparation is a function of trust. The second thing I want you to realize, ladies and gentlemen, is preparation is always a choice you will have to stop doing something you enjoy to do something you more than likely hate to get to where you're going. Ask any boxer, ask any athlete. What they dislike creates the bridge to what they do like. Preparation is a choice because you have a choice not to be prepared. The results will speak for themselves but let me speak to one demographic directly. And this is a demographic that is I call young people. The greatest act of faith a young person can take is to prepare for a future that is currently invisible. The greatest act of faith. You say, why is that? Let me just, because of time, let me nail that to the ground. Jesus is baptized in Matthew chapter 3, reading from verses 16, 17, and 18. The Bible says when he comes to his baptism, he goes into the water, he comes out, and the Bible says, God says the following. God says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Question, what had Jesus done prior to his baptism? Nothing except prepare. That means God values preparation almost above all else. Because when you prepare for what is invisible, God is confident enough to make it visible because he knows he can trust you. And so young people, please hear me. If you have a dream, a hope, a vision, a destination you want to get to, hold on to it. God is on your side. Four things you need to prepare for. Four things. The first one, ladies and gentlemen, is you have to prepare for God to do it. Say, how do I prepare for God to do it? That means if he promises you a miracle, prepare for it. You cannot believe God for a car and not get a license. It's a lack of faith. Not taking the test is a lack of faith. The burning, fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do not worship the statue. And they are told on. Now, I don't know whether you've dealt with very rich people. They, When they're angry, they speak in monotones. And they speak, quote-unquote, in capital letters. So when they got in front of Nebuchadnezzar, he would have said something along these lines that, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you three are flouting me, Nebuchadnezzar I's order? He would have spoken slowly before he exploded. And when they said, He said, you know what, I won't even give you a chance to answer, I like you guys, so you know what, it's all good. When you hear the music which they are going to play on my instruction, no problem, just bow for me and we're all good. And I'll forget it because I like you guys. Their answer was critical. And listen to me very carefully. You must prepare for God not to do what you are asking for and not break. They said, please, O king, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. Our God will deliver us from you. And he can deliver us from you. But if he chooses not to, let's be clear. We will not bow to the statue you set up. There comes a place where faith is confrontational. You have to be prepared that God... If it does go well, I will worship you. If it doesn't go well, I will worship you. Because I know you've got tomorrow. And let me say this to somebody, please. On the other side of your nightmare, A hyena has taken a rest. But he's not particularly bothered because he's full. And he goes off to look for another one. But a diligent man, when he catches it, puts his hunger second and uses his intelligence first. What that means is he cuts it into pieces he can carry. He dries it so it can go on a long journey. He takes the bones out and sharpens them because he needs them. He skins it and makes sure he washes the skin so it doesn't rot because he will need that for clothing. He uses all the parts of the animal and he will make sure it gets home before he satisfies his hunger. Listen carefully. If your gift is not prepared to be placed into the life of somebody else, the Bible calls you lazy. Why am I saying this? You have come, ladies and gentlemen, today to a turning point. This is a year where God wants to flood, not just over you, but through you. And you have to prepare your gift for use. And so we come to the last phrase. Time and chance will favor the prepared. That means, listen carefully, those two scriptures are put together for a reason. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do with all your might, all your capacity, all your skill. Be the best at whatever you find yourself doing. Be the best. Max it. Nail it. Take it to the top. Why? Because God is going to make sure that's the bridge for your tomorrow. But the Bible says... You're not sure when your turning point will come. You're not sure when you serve a millionaire in McDonald's. You are not sure when you clean the car of somebody who is worth more than you can imagine. You are not sure when the one deal you make will save the bank you work for. You are not sure when you save the person that will bring a revival into a country. You're not sure. But the Bible says if you are prepared time and chance when it shows up you'll be ready and that's key because someone someone is about to walk into a series of miraculous events and so ladies and gentlemen that was my job and so as we close out this bit As we close out this bit, I will do exactly what God said we should do. You say, but pastor, you know what? This was a great message, but today's Thanksgiving Sunday. We came here to thank God. But you also came at the turning of the seasons. It's interesting that Jesus' house is 25 by the grace of God. There is a, an anointing in the Spirit where God turns seasons. The gates will be open for you. The promises of the seventh season are about to flood into your life. The cups we're talking about are actually full. There is about to be a change of God in many areas, many mountains. There's a change coming. And you've come to that point. And so God says on the Thanksgiving Sunday, because I said to the Lord I said I I when I was preparing I said God is Thanksgiving Sunday why talk about this and he said this this offering and we're going to receive a thanksgiving offering which is a free will offering but this offering is not about what I have done it is about what I am about to do because there is Thanksgiving that brings miracles. Luke 17 verses 11 to 15 speaks of a man who thanks God and he's a leper. Leprosy has torn him apart. He's not only a leper which is bad enough but he's a Samaritan leper. He finds himself in a colony on the edge of Samaria. Nobody wants him. One day, they hear that Jesus is passing by. Now, by reason of law, they can't go near Jesus, so they shout from where they are, that Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus hears their cry. The turning point comes, and he says, go and show yourselves to the priest. And the Bible says, all ten are cleansed. Cleansed means you're no longer infectious. But the damage is still there. Nine of them turn around, wrap themselves in their rags, and they take off to the priest. That freedom is one journey away. But one of them says, even though my breathing is still damaged, even though it's difficult for me to move my knee, even though it's difficult for me with three fingers out of five, even though it's difficult for me I'm going to thank this man. By the time he gets to Jesus, Jesus sees him and says, where's the other nine? So Jesus was expecting ten. But the Samaritan was thanking him for not so much what he had done. He was thanking him for who he was. He thanked and thanked and thanked. And then something happened. Please understand what I'm about to say. The miracle of cleansing was designed to produce the sacrifice of thanksgiving. When that sacrifice reaches Jesus, Jesus gives him where God was facing. And he says this. He says, rise. Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. He didn't send him to the priest for a very simple reason in that moment fingers had grown eyes had cleared skin was recovered hair grew where it had fallen out his knee was fixed all of a sudden he could breathe again and Jesus said if you don't tell them you were a leper they will never know that is what God is about to do for someone. Your thanksgiving is for tomorrow, not for yesterday. Not that we are not grateful. Not that we are, no, no. But God said, today, sow it. Sow your thanksgiving. If you are giving an offering, then sow it with joy. If you're not, then thank God like crazy for a very simple reason. You have come to the turning of the seasons. Something is about to happen, and God wanted you prepared. This will be a year like no other year you've had. Can everybody say amen? amen. Father Almighty God, we ask you to do all that you have planned. We ask you not only to bless. What happens next? But Father, may you be glorified. May your words do what we asked you to do encourage, build, and motivate. My Father and my God, in Jesus' name we have prayed.